Thanks for listening to the Suncoast Church Eastbourne podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information, visit suncoastchurch.co.uk. video like that you know the old video was jumping around it's, it's, what they used to call it something eight or something I can't remember I've got a video like that that jumps around it kind of reminds me of how old <laughs> and all the good times and with mates etc etc anyway praise the Lord we know Jesus amen um, yeah I just want to keep going with this uh, this message in the glory of God it's really touched my life and blessed my life and uh, last week was largely introductory, uh, and I explained why even me as a new Christian going through three or four or five years, it took me a long, long while to get a handle on what the glory of God constituted, what constituted it. I, I, I had many, many other doctrines understood down pat, but the glory of God, just kind of, this kind of nebulous, and it's this nebulous concept took me a while to get. But it's very, very important because... We are told in the Bible, we are told that mankind was created for the glory of God. That we are to live for the glory of God. Now we better figure out what that means. Because if that is their prime purpose, does, does anybody really want to miss their prime purpose? Uh, uh, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110 years on earth? Do, do we want to miss that? No, I'm going to get on point for that. Yeah, I, I want to get a definition of what does it mean to live for the glory of God. I want to understand what it is. I want, to, I want to understand where it is. And I want to understand what my response to the glory of God should be. So it is really, really important. So this is a very practical message. The thing is, when you when you think about the glory of God, and you you might have heard, you know, a tape series on it. A tape series, that shows how old I am. You know, <laughs> and you might think, well, is it really practical? It's practical. Amen. This, I really want to give you a, a real takeaway from this today, as I did last week. So, just to continue, that there are many, many great passages in the Bible, stock texts, if you like, concerning themselves with the glory of God. And that's what we're going to look at today. So, just to further nail, if you like, to further nail, to further define what the glory of God is, I'm just going to... Uh, we're not going to show this, but Psalm 96 is a good place to start. Uh, and Psalm, Psalm 96 opens up and it talks about, to God's people, declare the glory of God. Declare the glory of God. Julie and I were out with a dear couple um, last night. They're, they're, they're great friends of ours. Their husband's on a journey. And we spent half the night, without saying we were glorifying God, we were declaring the glory of God. I was telling him about the glory of God in me, because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. The glory of God in the gospel. Amen. Yeah. You might say, well, why is that a part of the glory of God? Well, let's read on. So in Psalm 96, it says, declare his glory. And we read first up that that includes God's strength. Amen. He is almighty God. And because, if you're a Christian, because God dwells in you, He can infuse that might and that power into your human spirit, yeah? 
So when you're feeling knocked around and there's like circumstances and like a whirlwind around about you, it's like, man, you can get a grip on God's might and power, amen? And you can stabilize yourself, amen? So strength is a part of it. It mentions a number of things here. So strength, but then the list goes on to include in verse 3, his marvelous deeds. So it's not just about God's character and his nature, it's about what he does. Amen? Amen. It goes on and it speaks in verse 5 about God's majesty. How many of you, you know, when you see the Queen's coronation uh, and you look at the old tapes of that on YouTube, you, you see her resplendent in majesty, but you can also say she's resplendent in her glory. The glory is, would befit the Queen. Amen. So majesty, again, is something, well, how, how do you define that? Well, it's just, it's just the, 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 the beauty of, of an event, the beauty of a person, the, their, their dignity, their standing. Their... The next one is this, his holiness. How do you know holiness is one of God's major attributes? Yeah. Verse but 9 is God's holiness is mentioned in this list. And then another, again, righteousness and his faithfulness in verse 13. So that's a lot of that's a lot of things, isn't it? But you put it all together, combined with these glorious acts, you have a definition of the glory of God. So the point is that just a sampling of all these texts from last week, Psalm 96, just a sampling of all these texts about God's glory, it confirms this, that the glory of God is the sum total, if you're looking for a definition, you guys take a note, it is the sum total of every amazing attribute of God. Amen? Yeah. And every perfect action that He does. So it's, it's works, God's works, and His, His, His character and His nature together. So you can see God's glory in nature. Yeah. The, the Bible tells us that the heavens declare His glory. So for those of you that have peered through a telescope and you've looked at Saturn's rings and the belts of light and color and Jupiter, and then you watch the moons going around about, and you yeah, I, I had an eight-inch telescope at one point, and the things you could see through that, it wasn't like Hubble. But man, to, to gaze upon the Veil Nebula, the Orion Nebula, and, you, and the Ring Nebula, and you think, that is absolutely amazing! And it just seems to me that as man grows in expertise and knowledge and, uh, and, and technical expertise in particular, man, if the heavens declared God, the glory of God, thousands of years ago, where if you looked up in any one given night, they say you can see about 5,000 stars uh, over against the dark sky. But my, we live in an age where we know what's out there in deep space, and it's just incredible. So if there's any generation ought to be giving glory to God and ought to be pointed to God, it's this generation. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So we see all of these attributes and, and God's creative handiwork declaring His glory throughout the universe. Amen. But we also saw last week, and we're going to look at this a little bit more. We saw last week that the glory of God is actually a light. The Old Testament, the, 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 the ancients in the Old Testament, they called it the Shekinah glory of God. It's a Hebrew word. The Shekinah glory of God. And it, you could see it there in the holy places that God dwelt in, the Holy of Holies in the temple. Before that, the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of Moses. When God came down on the mountain as he gave 
Moses the law, he, he appeared as light. Amen. He was there. And because he was there, his glory flashed around about. You got this. Now, I just want to draw your attention to that a little bit later on. Now, King David also wrote a song about the glory of God. It is a very important psalmist, Psalm 24, verses 8 through to 10. And I'm reading this from the NIV, all right? Now, listen, listen to the words. We've got them up there. This is a good question. This is a good question. Who is this King of Glory? That, that's telling us there is a King of Glory, yeah? That there is one who transcends all human glory. There is one who transcends all human rulers. There is someone who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, yeah? And it's saying, who is this King of Glory? More glorious than anyone else. The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And then it says this, lift up your heads. And I, I think that's what God wants to do for this church over these three weeks as far as to lift up our heads, to reorientate our mind to Jesus Christ and all his glory. To, to reorientate our mind as to, well, who is Jesus? And to re-engage with that fact that he is God. Amen. That when he was on earth, then he was clothed with human flesh. And even though he did miraculous things, and walking in the water and converting the water to wine, it is like he still looked so human. But as we'll see, there was another dimension to Jesus, another aspect to Jesus. Amen. Another, another aspect of his glory. Let's read on. Lift up your heads, you gates. How many of a gate can let something in or keep it out? It says, lift them up, lift what up, lift, lift your heads up, you ancient doors. Again, what do doors do? Let's shut something out or shut something or let something in, amen? And it says, lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And, and this is what I feel Jesus is up to in these three messages here, is, is he wants to come in more than he's ever been in. <laughs> And you might say, you might say, Rob, you might say, but he's in my heart. Yes, but how much of the compartmentalized areas of our life, how, 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 how much of that light is flooding into every area? Does Jesus have control? Is he the Lord of every part of their life? Because if he is, the Bible says, where the Spirit's Lord, there's freedom. But a lot of times there's areas in their life where, where there's not freedom. Where fear dictates. Do you hear what I'm saying? Where, where, where especially fear that would counter faith. But it says, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Amen. And that's why it's so important in praise and worship. Because if you were here for the team meetings, you could have gone home after that because the presence of God in this place wasn't awesome this morning. I started talking about the glory in my little team meeting, which goes for about what, 15 minutes. There's about 20 of us here this morning. And it was like, the more I talked about it, the more the atmosphere just went electric. It was phenomenal. I mean, you were here with that. Did you enjoy that little time? Yes. You could have gone home. <laughs> but we need you. <laughs> 
And you see, it's like when, when, when the, the glory comes, when, when Jesus begins to knock on the heart, it's so important that we open the door of our heart. Amen? And it's so important that when you listen to the, you know, in worship, the praise and worship, when it starts that you open your heart, you lift up your head, reorientate yourself from the circumstantial, from the temporal, and reorientate yourself towards your king, the king of glory. Who's got everything in his hand, who's working stuff out, that he's, he's there, amen, to, to lift up your heads, oh you gates. And then when it comes to the, the, the word of God, that we open the door of our heart to the word of God. Because as you'll see, there is a phenomenal thing that results from that. So who is the Lord God Almighty, the King of Glory? Answer? Jesus! John 1 and verse 14 says the same thing. It reads this one. And the word, now the, the word, what is a word? A word is a communication, isn't it? If I give you a word, it's a communication. It communicates something. Jesus is the ultimate communication. Between heaven, between God the Father, and sinful fallen men. That's why Jesus is described in several places in the Bible by that name, the Word, the ultimate communication between man and God. Hebrews 1 3 says exactly the same thing. And the Word, amazingly, 2,020 years ago, and the Word became flesh in a 23 inch little baby. In a manger. And the shepherds came. Once the angels had come. <coughs> and they sung glory to God in the highest. Amen. Glory to God in the highest. And on the earth peace amongst men. Men of goodwill. Wow. And that little baby grew up. Began to see his glory about 12 years old because he began to confound the Pharisees with his incredible wisdom and his knowledge of God. Because he was God. <laughs> and then, then at 30 years old, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he begins to do a whole bunch of God stuff. As I said, all those miracles of feeding the 5,000, all of those creative miracles that indicates that's more than a man, that's God in a man. Yeah came down to show us what God is like. The ultimate communication. Yeah. Moses had the law, the two tablets, the Ten Commandments. That was a communication, and that was the Word of God. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But Jesus is the ultimate communication. Because two tablets can't tell you what God is like. It can reveal His holiness, and what gets up His nose, thou shalt not. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Which will, all that stuff will kill you. <laughs> Maybe not physically, but it will kill something in you. Because the wages of sin, in other words, breaking those laws, the wages of sin is death. And it's not just physical death. It's like, man, just it's just in every respect. But, but Jesus is the ultimate word, the ultimate communication from heaven. You don't get any clearer than seeing Jesus. You don't get a clearer idea of God than Jesus. Yeah. Everything he said, everything he did, his love, his healing, his miracles, his teaching, everything he did just revealed God. Amen. And thankfully, he took some guys along with him 
to write it all down so that today we have a thing called the Bible. Amen. So John 1.14, look at this. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory. Now bear in mind who's writing. <laughs> who would actually write this? It says, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who wrote it? John wrote it. And did he ever behold the glory of God? Let's go to this wonderful section in Matthew 17. It's recorded in three of the Gospels. Matthew 17, verses 1 through to 3. Man, I'll tell you, did John ever behold his glory? You betcha. And it says, and six days after this, this is the days of Jesus' ministry, he'd chosen 12 to follow him, but he had three within the 12 that he gave extraordinary privileges to, and here is one of those occasions. And six days after this, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. What happened? And he led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and his appearance underwent a change in their presence, and his face shone clear and bright like the sun. Could you imagine that? Imagine that happened to John over small and you. It's like the sun right there. Could you, could you imagine the, the, the degree of glory, the brightness of that glory? And it says his face shone clear and bright like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. Wow! I think if there's any doubts in their minds as to who this person called Jesus was, they were dispelled right then and there. All of a sudden, Jesus is kind of, this is who I was really like. I'm more than human. I'm God in the flesh. Wow! And behold, I love this. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah. Moses. I can imagine Moses. For those of you who know the Old Testament, I can imagine Moses there going, yeah, let's bring back a few memories. <laughs> I remember they say Moses kind of nudged Elijah and goes, yeah, I've kind of been in this situation before. <laughs> so, 1,500 years before, I was also in the mountain, and I saw the glory of God. And I've got a couple of tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them. But Elijah, I was up there for 40 days. Not just once, man. He says, I come down, I was so disgusted with the shenanigans, I broke the tablets. Elijah goes, really? Goes, yeah. And then I, was, I went straight back up the mountain for another 40 days. And when I come down, 40 days in that glory, 40 days of that light, man, it changed me. And I want to take you to that particular instance in the Old Testament There's some subject you touch on, God's going, yes, yes. Exodus 34, second book in the Bible called Exodus, because it's about the exodus of God's people from old Egypt into what was supposed to be the promised land, was eventually, but here they are in the wilderness, and God has just got them out, and he wants to introduce to them the laws that they're going to live under. Now let's read this together. Do we have that up there? 
Oh, we don't. Okay. That's all right. Don't worry. Now, listen, you'll need to listen then, all right? In the Amplified Bible, this section is called Moses' face shines. Wow. Moses' face shines. Now, listen, listen, listen. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the law, in his hand. He he did not know that the skin of his face was shining with a unique radiance because he'd been speaking with God. He'd been speaking with the same person <laughs> as he met there in Jesus' day. God had come down and they used to meet in this tent called the tent of meeting. And it says God spoke with Moses face to face. Wow. And it goes on, listen, listen. He didn't know that his face was shining because he'd been speaking with God. And when Aaron, who was the high priest, when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to approach him. It must have really shone. But to freak out, to freak out, the man just back, well, what's the, well, Moses, man, what happened to you up there? And it says that Moses called to them, and Aaron, and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. And he spoke to them. And afterward, all the Israelites approached him, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had said to him on Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments, yeah? When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him in that tent, he would take off the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded by God. And the Israelites would see the face of Moses, how his skin shone with a unique radiance. So Moses put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak to God. So all the time that Moses was with him, and at this particular period of time, he had to wear this veil because his face shone so much. Wow! I mean, wow! You go in there and speak to the this ultimate communication, the word of God, Jesus, before his incarnation. And that same light somehow affected him. Isn't that amazing? Now let's just pause a little minute because this next passage in the New Testament is referring to what I've just read. Alright? Now, do you think what I've just read in the Old Testament is pretty hot? I think that's pretty awesome that a man could spend time with God, such as Moses, and somehow come out of his presence, but his face is shining. Yeah. Who thinks that's pretty hot? Yeah. Well, I'm going to show you something red. Come on, Rob. This makes the hair, even now my hair is going up the back of my neck. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18. Sorry, look, I should have highlighted that last one. That's why it's not there. That's not useful. That's mine. Okay. The old way. The old way is the old covenant. The law of Moses. That's, if, if they obeyed it, they went to heaven. If they didn't, they didn't. The old way, with laws etched in stone, it led to death. Why? Because the law, all it shows you is that you're never going to be good enough. 
Romans tells us that the law was given that man might realize how sinful he is. That there's no way he's going to live to God's standard. That's what the law was there to do. To show us our sinfulness and point us to the Savior. Amen? So the old way with laws etched in stone led to death. That it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God. Even though the brightness was already fading away. That's why I said it was at that time. And once the law was given and God moved into that tent, that glory that was in Moses' face faded. Okay? For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Now look at verse 8. Shouldn't we, New Testament people, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, if the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, and it was, how much more glorious is the new way? Which makes us right with God. In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all. Compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. <laughs> so if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Wow! Verse 12. Since this new way gives us such confidence, because you didn't get that under the old covenant, we can be very bold. And we're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the, and then he kind of goes in a little bit of parenthesis here. And the people's minds were hardened, the Old Testament people he was serving. Their minds were hardened. And to this day, Whenever the Old Covenant is being read amongst Jewish people, the same veil covers their minds so they don't understand the truth, they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Jesus. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings in the synagogues, their hearts are covered with that veil. Mind you, there's coming a time when God is going to strip that veil off. The Bible tells us that man, before Christ comes back, there's going to be an incredible awakening amongst the Jewish nation. Yeah. And it says that these Old Testament prophecies says that they will gaze upon him whom they pierced. And it's somehow by the grace of God, the revelation of God, that the whole nation at a particular time is going to suddenly realize Christ was their Messiah after all. Yeah. And they're going to trust in him. And that is altogether glorious because when that happens, the Bible says that's the end. It's one of the major signs of the end. Amen. I go from another series here about the signs of the times. If you don't keep an eye on what God is doing with the Jewish people, you may well have an hour hand on your watch looking at the signs, geopolitical signs, Looking at the minute hand there, social, social side. But friend, if you want a second hand on your watch, as you look at the unfolding of the end days, know where the Jews fit in that picture. 
to know where they fit, realize who they are, that salvation is of the Jews. Read Romans 10, 11, and 12. Amen. It is entirely anti-Semitism. Every shade of it is entirely incompatible with Christianity. Absolutely, it is darkness. Darkness. So whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We understand the cross. We understand who Jesus is. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is in us, there is freedom. But you didn't get under the old law. You're stuck with who you were. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and come on. What does it say there? The operational boat. Reflect. Moses reflected the glory of God. And it's saying there that surely the glory of the new is much greater than the glory of the old. And it's saying that we can reflect the glory of God. Does it mean that our face is going to shine with a some you know, 200 watt bulb? No. Oh, I have to qualify that. There was something happened once in my life just once. When I was saved about the same stage where James is at, You've been saved about a year and a wee bit. Yes, eight months. Yeah. And I was as I was as keen as must, just like you. And I, I would we would sit up till two in the morning, do you remember? Because it was about twelve of us that been saved within a week. And we we would watch telly. We just we were so caught up in the glory of God, the things of God, finding something new about Jesus and how he affects us. And we would sit up till two in the morning. And, and I would have all my books there and the things I've just read two days before and I'd try to help them, try to understand it all. And I, I remember I, I, I was, Percy was there and Phil was there and Tony was there and uh, we're all sitting on the floor of our, 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 our apartment there. And all the, all the, I just kind of stopped talking. And Percy, in his inimitable fashion, goes, he goes, hey Rob, he goes, Mate, you were shining before. And, and Tony and Phil go, did you see that? I saw that. He was shining, mate. <laughs> and I go, what? He goes, you were shining, man. That's never happened since then. That was 35 years ago. <laughs> but there was something about, I, I don't know, I'll leave it up to God. But there was something God loved about that situation. Something about zeal. Something about the heart, the wholeness, and the purity. Does it mean anything beyond that? No. You don't want to think, I'm the chosen one. No. But I've heard that similar story over the years to those that have been great preachers and just ordinary believers with the glory you see on them. Not so much today, I have to say, over these last 20, 30 years, but Especially in our charismatic renewals, incredible things happen when the glory of God can be seen on people. Just while I'm talking to you, I feel the Lord just bring into my mind Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1. It's a prophetic word for the future. And I believe it's for us. It's just come to my brain just then. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's this dark 
darkness shall cover the earth. Socially, morally, ethically, in terms of ignorance. Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord has risen upon you. The Lord shall be seen upon you. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So, as we go to the end of times, sure it's getting dark out there. So some of the some of the ideas, some of the things getting built in the law. It's it's getting dark out there. But Frank, we're getting more and more glorious. Because the light will always overcome the darkness. Yeah. Friends, you know, these days we, we're gonna have we are gonna have a carol service here with glow sticks. Yeah. We are God's glow sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And that's it, God wants to crack us open, lift up your head so you get it's like the king of glory in there. Be a glow stick for Jesus. Are you with me? Now I want to read you. Verse 18 in the Amplified Version. The NLT is not a word for word translation. There's two ways you translate the Bible. One is to capture the thought, what they feel was the thought of the person. That's, that's perfectly valid. I use the NLT. But there's the other kind of Bible, the King James Bible, the Amplified Bible, a couple of others there, which is a word for word translation. All right? And both are perfectly valid. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it renders that last verse this way. And all of us, can we say all of us? All of us. I hope so. If you're born again, you can join in that. And all of us, with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the Word of God, the Bible, as in a mirror. So you lift up the Bible, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal the content to you. Begins to show you what Jesus is like. You behold the image of the Lord. You see that? Yeah. And as you continue to do that, as in a mirror, we behold the glory of the Lord in that Bible. We are constantly being transfigured. That's the word the New Testament used for Jesus. The Mount of Transfiguration. Now, as I said before, us glorifying God isn't about us getting a light in our face. It's about us. Displaying his nature, his character, yeah. his deeds. Because remember, the glory of God is about every attribute of God, but also his illustrious deeds, his perfect deeds. Amen? So let's read it from the top. And all of us, with unveiled face, because we continued, there's a key there, to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image. In ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. Oh, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And if you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Yeah. And that's why Colossians tells us that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Yeah. Not just glory going to heaven and woo, I'm in glory now. It's speaking about working out degree by degree the glory of God as we live in this earth. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And it's the, it's, it's the however long it takes for Jesus to return and whatever's got to be worked out. There's a lot. Believe you me, we, we haven't even started yet into the end times. In terms of the signs and all the stuff there. We, we haven't even got there. There's so many that's not even on the radar right now. 
So, so let's park that, amen? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've got a lot. Then shut up, Robert. That was going to be a for you. Anyway. <laughs> but the whole point of this is if Moses' face shone, do you think you could? Yeah. Not the light, but do you think you could be noticeable for Jesus? Yeah. With the people in the office? Yeah. As you're consistent? As you're working stuff out? With your neighbours as you meet them every morning? G'day, mate. As you invite them in your house? With your family? Do they see ever-increasing degrees of glory? So this Christmas, you're a bit different from last Christmas. Hmm? That you're even more established in your faith? This Christmas over against last Christmas? When Uncle Joe comes and Auntie Flo, and all sitting around the Christmas table, will they notice another degree of glory? Man, they probably reacted last one. <laughs> Maybe the good way you know. Amen. Come, let's stand up. Are you getting something out of this? Yes. We are looking at some pretty amazing things here. The takeaway thought is if that old dispensation of the law was glorious and Moses' face shone for a while and then faded. What does it say about our glory? It doesn't fade. It just gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. As we keep looking at Jesus, looking into the Bible, listening to sermons, reading reports, MP3 downloads, singing songs, singing choruses, all of that is beholding the image of the Lord. Amen. Wonderful thing for us. As all that is worked out, where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. From what? Freedom from the old you and everything that plagued the old you. Yeah? Freedom from sinful habits, destructive behavior patterns. Freedom from sickness and disease. Freedom from spiritual oppression. Amen. And the cross is absolutely central to that because that's where the old you was crucified. Amen. And life on the other side of the cross is free. We're just going to pick up that cross every day and apply it. Pick it up each day and say, I'm dead to sin, but alive to God. Pick it up every day and say, Jesus, another degree of glory, Lord, this week, this month, this year. Amen? Father God, thank you for your word. Thanks for communicating with the human race. For not just leaving us in our sinful misery, wondering why stuff goes wrong all the time. Thank you, Lord, for explaining to us that we live in a broken world with broken people, in a fallen world with fallen people, that we once were placed in a utopia, a paradise, an Eden, but we blew it. Not your fault, ours. But I thank you you didn't leave us like that, that you began to communicate straight away 
And you began to reveal yourself bit by bit, line upon line, precept upon precept, first in the law, understood your holiness through the law. But then you spoke again, not by tablets of stone and letters of a bit of rock, but you spoke to us through your Son and by your Son, Jesus Christ, who Hebrews tells us is the sole expression of God. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you as we sang before, that you gave up your crown and you gave up your glory. All we saw it shine through there in that passage. We saw it shine through God. But you gave it up to come down here, the Creator becoming like what He created. Because you loved us so much. And you created us for your glory. And you wanted us back for eternity. And you made a way through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we just want to take time out, Lord, to say a huge thanks for the glory of that. And even as we remember in Romans 8, it says that we were raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. The Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. <laughs> wow. So Father, I just pray you help us get ahead of this. Help us understand that everybody that walks out of these doors has got a takeaway today. A takeaway of reassurance. A takeaway of truth. A takeaway of who they really are as a born again Christian. And a takeaway of their prime purpose in life. A shine for you. And everybody said, everybody said the G word, glory. Amen. Well, let's say it one more time. Come on. Just like those old Pentecostal churches. Can we say it one more time? One, two, three, glory! <laughs> God bless you. God bless you.